Well, my name is Gary Albright, and I'm the preaching minister here at Shiloh Road. And I want to say thank you for stopping in and checking out one of our sermons. It's my hope that this message will inspire you and help you to follow Jesus more closely during such a difficult time in our country's history. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you're going through, my hope is this message and these words will be a blessing to your life. So as we begin this morning, I want to invite you into the story as we spend some more time in the wilderness this week, this time with Jesus himself. And so these words are found in the book of Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Devil, He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor as it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Father, it's in this place today that we ask your blessing as we worship. Father, we're grateful to be gathered in the name of Jesus. And Father, share the hope that we have with one another in this world. Father, bless us as we worship. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the fourth week that we've spent in the wilderness. And it's the fourth week that brings us to the story of Jesus himself in the wilderness. And the wilderness, as we've been saying, is so important to us. Because Scripture talks about the wilderness in such a way that it's not just a physical location, but it's a metaphor. And it's a place that we can all be at regardless of our physical location because of what we're experiencing. But what we do know about the wilderness is it's large, it's dry, it's vast, it's void. But above everything else, the the wilderness is a place of isolation. It is a place of being alone. And the wilderness speaks to us so powerfully because it asks some really, really important questions of us. One, where does it end? Or when does it end? What a great question right now. When does this end? Is it next week? Is it the next week? Is it a month from now? Is it a year from now? We don't know. All we know is we're in this time of waiting and wondering. And then maybe the biggest question the wilderness brings to us is where is God in the wilderness? And so Jesus finds himself in the wilderness, but before he goes into the wilderness, we see this picture of Jesus walking into the wilderness to be baptized by a guy named John. 
And when he's baptized and comes up out of the water, it says the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And God speaks in his voice over him and says, You are my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. And then it says Jesus comes up out of the water full of the Holy Spirit and moves into the wilderness. But between Luke feels it's really important that you need to understand the genealogy of Jesus. And between Jesus' baptism and Jesus moving into the wilderness and being led into the wilderness, there's a genealogy. And the genealogy is different because it doesn't connect him back to the line of David like Matthew does. Instead, he connects it to the line of Adam all the way back to the garden to show you that something new, this new creation is happening here in the midst. And so Jesus moves into the wilderness and he wants us to understand the humanity of Jesus. Not just that Jesus is God in the flesh, the Word made flesh, come into the world to bless us and give us life, but that He is also fully human, and He is going to be tempted and tried in every single way that we would be. That Jesus is fully God and fully man. But here's where the story is such a disconnect for me. The story disconnects for me because I've never been in a situation where Jesus or where Satan walked up and stood right beside me and started talking to me. And the thing is, I don't know if that's actually how it happened or not. I like to think it's much more like what you and I experience every single day. It's that whisper in the back of your mind, no one's watching, go ahead. No one will ever know except you. No one will ever find out. As long as it stays in the darkness, everything will be okay. And I imagine the encounter so much more like what we experience every single day, and not just simply this physical picture of a person standing before us. It's those natural streams of thought that we deal with every day. And Jesus is going to answer for us a really important question. What does it mean to be God's son? What does it mean to be God's child in the world? What, what does it mean for Jesus if he's going to be God's son in the world? What does it look like and what does it mean? And you have to understand the humanity of Jesus is dealing with these temptations and the ramifications are humongous. It, what he does in this moment and how he responds to the temptation is so important because humanity hangs in the balance. See, in this moment is huge. And what you must understand is a moment has power. Because one moment has the power to transform every moment that will follow. What would have happened if Jesus in that moment did not withstand the temptation? What would have happened if in that moment Jesus had given in to the temptation? What would have happened in the moment if Jesus had this momentary lapse? Every moment from that point forward would have been different. And the hope of the world would have been lost. This moment had the impact to change every single moment. And what we learned from Moses in the wilderness, we also see in the story of Jesus. 
Because Moses must first learn to lead himself through the wilderness before he can lead Israel through the wilderness. And the same must be said of Jesus. He must first lead himself through the wilderness before he can lead the people of God through the wilderness. He must stand, withstand what we're going to deal with and what we're going to go through. He must take on the temptations and he must be tempted in every way and yet be without sin to be able to take away the sin of the world. It's why the Hebrew writer comes along and he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The moment is huge. And this one moment in the life of Jesus these 40 days that he spends, I think, in preparation for the tempting, praying and fasting and getting things right with God are preparing him for this one moment because this one moment has the power to transform every moment that will follow. The story leaves us with some important questions because we know that in the wilderness we find a place of isolation where you feel alone. And I'm sure many of you feel that way right now, but some important questions that we ask from the wilderness of Jesus, is Jesus isolated? Yes. But the really important question, is Jesus alone? And the answer is no. That the Spirit of God is with him there. God himself dwells with his people. And we understand that Jesus, while he is isolated, is not alone. And there is a difference between the two. Right now, you might be feeling alone. But understand, you're not alone. You're all, we're all in this together. You may be isolated, but you're not alone. And these echoes of the Exodus are so real to Jesus. Because you have here the temptation of Jesus as Satan speaks to him and tempts him. The, the grumbling for bread in the, the desert of the Israelites. Where Israel flirts with idolatry over and over and sometimes the results are catastrophic. And then constantly Israel putting God to the test. But here's the question that Jesus has to deal with, and the question is so, so important for you and I as well. Do you truly believe the ways and the plans of the Father are greater than all of your wants and desires? Do you truly believe that the ways and the plans of the Father are greater than all of your wants and desires? Because that question is the question that will keep Jesus focused on his purpose and his mission. And it is the same question that will keep you and I focused on our mission and our purpose right now. See, here's why it matters. Because Jesus has to decide in that moment if he is going to follow the Father's plans and the Father's ways or if he's going to be susceptible, susceptible and cave in and give in to his wants and his desires, to whatever is easiest for him. And it's so important that he decides now because later the question is going to be even more on the line. The next time he's asked it, he will be asking God the Father, God, if there is any possible way to take this cup away from me, please 
do it. He has to be all in if he's going to take the road to the cross. He has to be completely sold out to the mission and purpose of God if that's what his life is going to look like. And in committing to following God right now, Jesus is committing himself to a life of humility, service, and even death. You see, Jesus understands what Moses learned centuries before him. Because Moses, we talked about two weeks ago, learned in the wilderness that that he's not going to reach the promised land. That he's been striving his whole life, working and working to get there. And he ends up at the end of his life dying as he looks out over the promised land, just across the border. Almost like you could touch it, but you can't quite reach it. And yet Moses dies, it seems, in peace, never getting to where he was intending to go. You see, it's not that Moses didn't care about getting to the promised land, but it was that he truly found something better, the presence of God. And Moses was okay not getting there. Because he had found something so much better. Now listen, listen, listen. This is so important for you and I. If you get nothing else out of life other than the presence of God, will it be enough for you? If you get nothing else out of life other than God's presence in your life, is it enough? Because if the answer is yes, let me just tell you, it will lead down some difficult paths. It will lead you to some really difficult places. It will cause you to stay in a place when everything within your soul says you need to get out of here. And maybe it's the marriage that's falling apart that you want to give up on, but because you believe God's presence is there with you, you're going to stick it out and you're going to make it work. Because God's presence is there, you're going to remain single and you're going to remain sold out for the mission and you're going to withstand all the temptations that the enemy is going to throw at you because you believe the ways of Jesus are better than your wants and desires. Listen, it's not easy because the temptations are going to be very real and they're going to be very difficult to withstand. But the same temptations that Jesus faced, we all face. For Jesus, there's the physical needs and wants are important, but loyalty to God and the Spirit leading Him comes first. It's Jesus' path to kingship is not through the satanic power grabbing and status, but through humble, self-sacrificial love. It's this trust in God does not mean acting stupidly or recklessly to force God into the spectacular. But God's power is to be used to restore life and strength to the broken, not for cheap tricks. See, but my question to Jesus is why don't you just leave that place Because looking back, we can see, well, there was 40 days. But just like Elijah, Jesus, I don't think, knows this. He doesn't know how long it's going to last. So why doesn't he just leave? But there's a problem. And there's a reason that he does not lead. And it goes back to the very beginning of how this 
chapter begins. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus comes out of the water, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, and was led. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think about the Spirit of God leading me into the wilderness. I think about Satan leading me into the wilderness. I think about my circumstances or my decisions or my choices being the reason I am in the wilderness. But for Jesus, it is the Spirit that has led him there. And why we say it's so important that he's committed to the way and the plans of God above his own wants and needs is because he is not going to leave the wilderness until the Spirit again leads him out of the wilderness. He's not leaving the wilderness just because it's gotten difficult. He's not leaving the wilderness just because there's some circumstances that he doesn't like or because life's gotten hard. He's not leaving the wilderness until the Spirit of God takes him out of the wilderness and leads him to a new place. And what I need to tell you this morning is some of you are in a really difficult place. You find yourself in the wilderness and you are not supposed to leave until the Spirit of God leads you away from this place. And it might be very difficult, it might be hard, but it's so important that you are with the Spirit and that He is guiding you and He is leading you and that you're walking in step with Him and that you're trusting His ways and His plans are better than your own wants, needs, and desires. See, it all comes back to that really, really important question. If you get nothing else out of life, do you truly believe that the presence of God is more than enough? The part of the story that hits me the hardest is how the story ends. Verse 13 says, When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him, for an opportune time. When, when he had finished all this tempting, he, he left him to seek a better opportunity, a more opportune time. And, and it makes me stop and think, whoa, 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 whoa. How, how can there be a more opportune time than this? How, Jesus has spent 40 days with no food. Can you imagine how depleted his body is? Can, can you imagine what it would be like? How is it possible there could be a more opportune time than this? But we know the story. And we know how it ends. And we know that there is going to be another opportune time when Jesus' friends who are surrounding him and holding up, one of them betrays him. And the others that are close to him fall asleep on him. And they deny that they even know him. And he has to walk the road to the cross all by himself. We know that there's going to be a more opportune time. And we know that the moment, the gravity of the situation in this moment is huge. Because we know that one moment has the power to transform every moment that will follow. This one moment could change the trajectory of history forever. And humanity hangs in the balance. This moment is so important. 
But there's a moment for you that's important as well. There's a moment for you that's so difficult as you're a teenager and your boyfriend or girlfriend is pushing you to make decisions that you know you shouldn't make. And the temptation is just to give in. The the temptation is just to, to let it go. But this one moment could change every moment because it was just messing around, but now you have a kid. And everything in your life is different from that point forward. And it's not that God can't forgive it and God can't redeem it, but your life is different because of that step. It's the addiction that you are so caught up in that cost your marriage or that has the potential to end your marriage. And all you have to do is step back from it and say no. And that one decision in that moment, everything from that point forward hangs in the balance. The decision is so important. It's the lie that you've been telling. It's the trust that you've lost. In this one moment, the decision you make could affect every moment that follows. And for us in that moment, it leaves us with the same question that Jesus was asked. What does it look like to be God's son in the world? What does it look like for you and I to be God's child? What does it look like for us to be sons and daughters of the king? How we will live and how we will respond and how we will react. In Corinthians, it tells us, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. And no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when the voice comes, when the little whisper, no one's looking, it's okay. It's going to stay in the dark. It's not going to be that big of a deal. No one will ever know But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it, so that you can stand up under it. What does it mean to be God's child in this world when temptation comes? It means that we are going to be tempted, but he is going to send his spirit to strengthen us and to guide our steps, and to help us to follow Him. And above everything else, He will provide a way out. And that is the good news. There is a way out. But here's the problem. So many of you look around right now, and you see the temptation, and you don't see a way out. Because you look around and it seems like there's no other place to go from here. But here's the good news. There is a way out. But sometimes you have to look really hard for it. Because sometimes it's not as obvious as you want it to be. It's not this massive set of double doors that swings open and lights up and says, here is the path. Sometimes the door is a lot more difficult to find. Sometimes the door takes some searching for. Because at first, it's not super clear where it is. But let me tell you this, some doors you will only see once you're on your knees. 
Some of the doors you find will only be found when you are putting your life in the hands and the presence of God and asking Him to show you the way. Some doors are so difficult to see, and some of those doors will not open until we pray and we beg God to be there in this place for us. God, I need you. I need your strength. I need you to show me a way out because I feel like I'm stuck and I don't know where to go. And God, I need you. And some of those doors are so difficult because it seems like an impossibility to fit through. And maybe in that moment, the only thing we can do is fit our hand through. And this trembling hand say, God, God, I need you. I need you like never before. Because I'm caught in the lie. I'm caught in the temptation. My spouse doesn't know. My boss doesn't know. They don't know what I've been doing. They don't know who I am on the inside. They don't know what I'm wrestling with. God, I need your help. And he says, in those times, he will provide a way out. And he'll open the doors and help us through when it seems there's no other way. See, here's my guess. For some people right now, this time is the wilderness. Because you're single. And you live alone. And there's no one in your house. And there's high-speed internet access. And there's Netflix. And there's temptation all around you. And you feel like you are Jesus in this moment. And for everyone else, they're saying, this is a great time to rest and relax and focus on God. And you're sitting here saying, this is more temptation than I've ever faced because I can't leave my house. And there's just so much just a click away. And the thing is, no one will ever know, God, I need a way out. And for some of you, maybe this time is a reprieve. Maybe you're in this period of waiting, knowing that there is a more opportune time coming. A time when Satan will return and that voice will be there because you're going to go back to work. And that coworker that you've been flirting with, that it's just fun, that you know could eventually become something more, right now you have a break from it. And right now, you get a chance to get everything focused back on Jesus because you're going to have to go back to work with that same employee, with that same coworker, and that same temptation will be there then just as it was when you left. And it's so important how you will answer. For others, you've been running yourself completely um, at the brink of exhaustion for so long. And your priorities are everywhere and you're going every which way. And right now is this reprieve. It's this little oasis where you have a chance to stop and breathe. And it's a chance right now to rearrange your priorities so that when we go back, things can be different. Because you're going to walk right back into that world and expect to pick up at the same rate of speed that you've been going and run yourself right back into the ground. And maybe this is a chance where God says to you, you can slow down and it's okay. You don't have to do everything.
to say to us as a church, you're overscheduled. You have so many things going on constantly that your people don't have time to breathe. We can slow down just a little bit. Because a busy church is not always a healthy church. A healthy church is a healthy church. Just because we're busy and have activities going doesn't mean, and some of us need to hear that promise from Paul, there is a way out. There is a door. You've got to look for it, and some of those doors will only be found on your knees. It's not going to be easy. But you need something along for the journey just as Jesus had in that moment. One is the wisdom of God's Word. The wisdom of the Word of God that speaks to us, that directs our paths and lights the way to our steps. We've got to have in our life. And the second thing is a trusted set of companions who are on the same journey. These people that we trust, that we share our life with, that are accountable to and that know what's going on and they know the the longings of our heart and those deep secrets that we don't want anyone else to know about. Someone who's walking with us and wants us to get better. Now listen, this is why it's so important. You may never know the reach of your obedience you may never see the full impact that it has on your spouse or your kids or your family or your coworkers or your neighbors or just strangers you meet on the street. You may never see the reach of your obedience. But here's what I can promise you. You will get a front row seat to see the destruction left in the wake of your infidelity, left in the wake of your addiction, left in the wake of your lie, left in the wake of your greed, left in the wake of your busyness and inability to be able to connect with your kids or your spouse. I promise you, you will get a front row seat and it will be so clear. Because one moment, one moment has the power to transform every moment that will follow. What I know and what I believe you know is we need Jesus more than ever to guide and direct our steps. That we would be sold out to the mission and the plans and the purpose of God that His will and His reign would come above all else. Because in those moments, everything hangs in the balance for you and I. Everything hangs in the balance because one moment has the power to transform every moment that will follow. And the good news There is a way out. There is a door. And Jesus says to us, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Some of you this morning are running at an incredibly fast pace every single day, and now you're forced to slow down. And maybe you find yourself in the wilderness right now where you get a little bit of a reprieve, a chance to make things right, to rearrange and reorder your life around Jesus. As we move towards a table, it is a table that invites you to come just as you are. No strings attached. To come to the table broken and hurting and find sustenance and rest. Because this table is open to everyone. And the invitation is simply come to the table.